This episode of the Warriors Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, a local sports bar we fucking love. If you listen to this podcast, you enjoy watching sports, and you already know that watching games with other fans just makes that experience better. Look, watching a Warriors game on your own is fine. It's crazy fun. I've done it for years. But watching a game in a spot that lets me scream and cheer and just generally lose my shit with other Dub Nation fans is way more fun. COVID stole that from us for a while, and the ACO is giving it back. The Athletic Club Oakland has shut down their entire side street, created an enormous outdoor space called the Town Gardens, and filled that space with tables, more than 15 huge and legitimate TVs, and their full complement of great food, service, and drinks. It's big, it's comfortable, it's a great spot to watch Steph continue to rain threes during this incredible Warriors season, the NFL playoffs, or any other sport with fans while still staying safe. I love this bar. I love their food. I love their space. I love their TVs. I even love that it's basically family-friendly. I can go here, get hammered with my friends and get too passionate, or I can roll with my wife and kid and just enjoy brunch while catching a game. The Athletic Club is now our go-to spot to watch all sports, especially the Warriors, and we hope you'll join us there. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans can be sports fans again. What is up, you guys? It's Maxime from the present. I just wanted to let you know, auditorially, in case you didn't notice it in the title, this is part two of our big two-part episode, breaking down all of the ways in which Steph is the greatest shooter of all time. There's some great stuff happening in part one, so go ahead and scroll a little bit down in your uh, podcast feed and make sure you check out part one before you start this one up. If you're here after listening to part one, welcome. Super excited for what's to come. Please enjoy the app. All right, let's go to our second question. And this one is a little bit more obscure to quote you, Marcus. Uh, and it's one hopefully it's the out way. of the box. Out of the yeah, box. thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> don't, make me, okay. don't make me say fuck you again. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, I'm, I'm already, if I have to, I'll go back to the, I can't see anything that you're doing because it looks like there's Vaseline all over the camera. <laughs> and I have no idea why you've done that. I don't know if it's like a special filter or something. But for oh, dreaminess. Yeah, no, it is not. It is not called dreaminess. <laughs> it's called, I have no idea who I'm talking to filter is, is really what it, it breaks down to. Um, but this question is similar, but instead of looking for a memory that everybody else may share, it asks for a memory that these guys got or these girls got as a result of covering the team and being able to see things that happened off the court. As the listener phrased a quote, what's your favorite Steph Curry moment that people may not know about? So we got some great stuff from all of the friends of the huddle. We'll turn to them in a minute. But I actually have one here for you boys, um, and I want to run a bias. So we go back. Um, there was a period of time where I was lucky enough to be able to go to practices, and that included when KD was in town. So sometime in 2016, 2017, I went to a practice. And during this time, there was no more, I don't know, in a place to be than Warriors practices, right? It, it, you weren't only planting your flag as a member of the most important franchise, but you were seeing them in a, you know, quote unquote, behind the scenes environment. So as a result of that, 
all types of celebrities, people from all walks of life would show up to this thing. Manny Pacquiao, Mike Trout, Malcolm Gladwell, James Franco. I mean, all of these random people would show up and all they wanted more than anything was a nod from Stefford KD. You know, they wouldn't go up and actually say something, but they'd position themselves close enough where you had to notice them. And, you know, chances are Steph or KD would go over and say, what's up? So I go to a practice and that's happening. I don't remember who was there. I think Guy Fieri is one of the people, but there were, there was a bunch of random ass celebrities and they were all congregating by the court that Steph and KD were having. It wasn't a shooting contest. They were going through their shooting rounds. They're all taking three points, but it wasn't just celebrities. There was also a team, I would imagine it was a high school team of girls who were there. And unlike the celebrities, they were kind of off in the corner. They were nervous, you know, they were giggling. They had all the body posture of someone who's really excited to be in a place, but also felt really out of place at that location and wasn't sure what to do or what to say. And I noticed that and I'm watching the whole thing and Steph and Katie finishes their shoot around. And then Steph has an option. He has a throng of glowing, famous celebrities who are desperate to share a high five or do anything, just have some interaction with the king of the three-point world at that moment. And he doesn't give him one fucking moment. Steph, without thinking at all, at least from my perspective, walks over to that girl's team and he doesn't just interact with them. I can't hear what he's saying, I'm too far away, but I can see the facial expressions on each one of these girls' faces. And he stops in, there's 16, 17 with him, stops in on each one and has an interaction with every single one of them that made all of them feel individual, made all of them feel seen, made all of them feel important. And that it just, it, it stuck out to me. The superstars don't do that shit, man. You know, we had a six part documentary where the one story really that came out about Jordan is that he made his teammates feel like shit in order to win. Well, in a world where celebrities and people of great supposed importance were desperate to be noticed, Steph's first move was to make people who weren't that important feel exactly that. And so, I mean, we're going to hear this. You've already heard me say it. We're going to hear it over and over again. The theme I've picked up is inclusive joy. And that one just screamed inclusive joy. And I absolutely loved it. But I'm not the only one to have stories about this guy behind the scenes. Let's turn it back over to the people who get paid to cover this guy and hear some stories from them. So it had to be, gosh, what year was it? It was after he won his first title in Golden State. And um, he had signed that giant uh, Under Armour contract. Um, His wife, they had their oldest daughter and she was like eight months pregnant with their middle daughter, middle child. And he had his SC select camp. And so knowing this, like my, my nephew was seven years old. And so he came out to Oakland, um, you know, is in this really rundown back gym in, in Oakland. Like, I, I don't even know why we were there. I guess maybe it's like a historic place. I don't know, but very, very rundown. Um, who were some of the players that Michael Porter Jr. was there? Trey Young was there. Hmm. Um Dennis Smith Jr. So basically it was like for high school kids. And I, I told my nephew, I said, not a lot, none of your friends will ever get to do this. You have to make sure you thank Steph. He's one of the best players in the world. He's the best shooter in the world. You have to thank him for letting him come to your camp. And so like my nephew walks up to him and like Steph says hi to me. 
takes the picture, signs some shoes or whatever. And all, and my, my nephew can't say anything. And all he says is, uh, my aunt told me to tell you that you're really good at basketball and Steph just kind of looks at me. He's like, really KP. And I said, I mean, I did say that, but like, not really in those words. He's just like shaking his head and but he was super nice to, to AJ, my nephew. And then another thing I loved is Aisha was chucking threes and making them eight months pregnant. And like, she beat Dell in a shooting contest down the, oh. same, down the same gym floor. It was amazing. I'm like, who is this super human person? Take me back to that first story. So that happens, right? You're standing there. I imagine you feel a little bit awkward. Do you like, what happens next? Like, do you, do you try to hedge? Do you just walk away? Does he laugh it off? Because Steph seems like the kind of guy who would make you feel awkward for a couple of seconds, but then hedge it, you know, then, then like say something to, to diffuse it or make everybody kind of feel better in the, in, in that exact moment. No, that's totally exactly what happened. First, he was, he just looked at me like, that's what you told your nephew to say to me. And I'm like, no, I wanted him to say, thank you. That that's all he heard from me. I don't know. And so he was just like, great to see you, buddy. You know, it was super nice, my nephew. And then he's like, I'll see you, I'll see you later, KP or whatever. Cause I, I, I go to his camp every year. So I see him probably once a year. How does he interact with the stars of the future? I mean, the names you just dropped, Trey Young, you know, Michael Porter Jr. I mean, Trey Young specifically, because he was, he was called the next Steph Curry. How does Steph interact with those guys? Is he generous with his skill set? Is he, I mean, is he bitter about their ascension? Like, how, how would you describe that? No, you know what I love most about him um, was that he was getting in the drills with the players. He was going hard, you know, against these kids, kind yeah. of showing them like, okay, yeah, you guys are, you guys are playing with Steph Curry, but I'm just going to show you what it takes to be an NBA player, sure. you know? Yeah. And you know, there's this, there's this clip of Chet Holgram that he kind of, he, he put the moves on Steph and that was like Chet Holgram's introduction to the recruiting world was at the Steph Curry camp. Um, so he's very hands-on. He was one of the first, first, uh, professional athletes that invited some of the top women or the top girls players out yeah. to his camps, yeah. like AZ fed Paige Beckers. Um, you know, so he's very inclusive like that. And now he's also started this underrated tour where he goes to five different cities. Well, he doesn't. Uh, Under Armour goes to five different cities. Then there's they try to find underrated players just like he was, you know, coming out of Davidson. So yeah. he's very, very, very hands-on in the, you know, the players that are up next. Looking for another Hoops podcast to add to your roster? Check out the Knuckleheads. NBA veterans Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles are lifelong friends and are bona fide truth tellers. Listen in as they invite special guests, high profile athletes, musicians and entertainers to get brutally honest about everything from current events to untold stories, from sports to culture. They're in their seventh season and making moves that are worth listening to. Check them out wherever you listen to your podcast. The other favorite story I have, which I think is a window into both you know, Steph, his goofiness, but also Draymond Green on how like they have this amazing chemistry, is during my second year on the beat, um, they, you know, I think they became more observant uh, and more well aware of me, right? And so they pulled me to the side one time on the road after a shoot around. They took real serious issue with like what I was wearing. And look, these are million dollar athletes. They, you know, they have the endless budget, the, you know, the wardrobe, fashion consultants, whatever. But Draymond uh, 
told me that, you know, I, I've been having this pattern of I, I dress really sharp on game days, you know, where I got a suit, but the casual wear at shoot arounds, it was just trash. And he's just ripping this dress shirt that I have. And I, I don't know what he has a problem with. He's, you know, saying it wasn't ironed the best. I, you know, <laughs> ironed it before I went out there. He was saying the color scheme was terrible. And then he asked me, Hey, where did you get this shirt from? And Steph was wondering too. And I said, well, I got it from express and they all laughed because Steph Curry used to have an endorsement with express (laughs) and he made it clear. Look, I had nothing to do with this shirt. I didn't approve of it, whatever. This is past my time. So fast forward a little bit later, I wound up going uh, shoe shopping, had nothing to do with them, you know, ripping me down to size, but I, I want to get some new kicks and we were on the road. I was near a mall uh, in Minneapolis. And so I got some new kicks. I wore these new Nike Air Maxes to shoot around and I made it a point to walk by Draymond to see, okay, what's he going to say? And I, I, I shot him the look. He looked down and he was so excited. He's like, oh man, these shoes are fresh. These are great. And he was so excited about it that he shouted across the court to get Steph Curry's attention. And at the time, Steph Curry's shooting threes. Like he's doing much more important things than scrutinizing what I'm wearing. And he's like, hey, Steph, check out Medina's new kicks. And mid three-point shot, he's in the middle of the air hoisting a shot. He turns around and looks, and he just starts yelling. He's loving it. And by the way, the shot went in. Yeah, did he make it? There's, <laughs> yeah, there's no yeah, question yeah. Of course, I, it's Steph Curry. I, have so but I just thoughts. love that. There's a window into, like, they're on the same page. They love having fun. They like teasing people, including me. Uh, but there's also, like, a playful side to it. So I thought it was hilarious how mid-three-point shot Steph is so interested in Draymond's news that I have these new shoes that like don't look like trash that he decided to turn, you know, his head, stare across the court to get a view of it while he's taking a three-pointer. <laughs> Be honest with me, Mark. I'll, I'll go first. If that happens to me, if they give me any shit about my shirt, anything at all, a hundred percent, it would bother me. And I would absolutely buy new shoes for the lone reason of kind of showing them, look, no, 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 you know, I'm, I've got some fits in my outfit. So when you bought the shoes, at least partially, was it to impress them? Um, yes, I know. Look, I was near, a, I was near a mall across the hotel and I had some rare free time on the road and I knew I needed to buy some new picks anyway, but I, I definitely made it a point to wear it a cheer around uh, just to kind of <laughs> perpetuate the running joke. But unlike you, Bram, like I got thick skin when they pressed me down the side, I didn't get all defensive and, you know, insecure <laughs> and all that. But I, I had a, uh, I think an in-depth discussion of like, you know, almost the equivalent of when a coach is cheering out on film, they're not defensive over the miscue. They're not, you know, refusing to own up to the responsibility, but uh, you know, that player is in the right to know, okay, like, what did you have issue with? Like, let's take it frame by frame. So I had that in-depth discussion with Draymond <laughs> and Steph. It was amusing. I think that that made the conversation more enjoyable um, because they knew I could take it, but they also knew, Hey, I can, more insults here so it was nice to have like the depth of why they had issue with what i was wearing and why it didn't meet up to their standards 
And you know what? Like, it's just like in the film sessions. If, if it makes you, if it makes you better, then by all means, embrace it. So I, love that. I embraced it. Uh, but I did have, I did make it a point that while it was certainly a coincidence, their conversation uh, preceded me buying new kicks once I bought the new kicks, I want to make sure they saw it. <laughs> of course. I, I love everything about that with one big, giant, glaring exception. I don't love that you said, look, Bram, I'm not like you. And then use the phrase <laughs> defensive and insecure. Fuck yourself. Mark. I mean, <laughs> look, you're right. Dude, I'm not going to tell you you're not right, but I will tell you to fuck yourself. Here's our last question. Has Steph Curry impacted the game of basketball more than any player before him? Well, Bram, before I answer that question, I got to go back here. I actually don't mean those things. I just know that you love, you know, on your pod, you know, the, the shit talking, the, the playfulness, the give and take. So, Mark, you, it was you, you justified. spiked it up for me. You Dude, spiked I, I, it up for me. I had to hit it, but I think you have much better qualities than that. I, I am pretty <laughs> sure I just got defensive and insecure right then. So, you look, man, <laughs> bro, like it, it happened. Don't worry about it. Well, this one is, yeah, yeah, yeah. This one is, um, I, it's selfish. Uh, it, it's because it related so much to me. Um, the team was in, they did the China tour with the Lakers. Um, it was 2012, 2000, I think 2013. They're in Beijing and Shanghai, zipping all over the place. Um, when they go on those things, it's preseason. Uh, so the players not only have to get their bodies in order for a season, um, they're being asked by the NBA to go do all these different things, all these public appearances, um, all these public service things. Uh, also, Steph Curry on this was trying to release his shoe. So he had other so he was being drawn in so many different directions. But he agreed agreed before he went that he was going to call me in the middle of the night and do this journal for the Chronicle. And I would kind of walk him through questions of the day and then in his words, tell the journal. Um, so this usually happened about three, four o'clock in the morning, Pacific Coast time. And so I would set my alarm, wake up two thirty, three o'clock, ready for the call. And he was already a star. I mean, he, he was already Stephen Curry. He, he's in China with Kobe Bryant. And there are as many Stephen Curry jerseys as there are Kobe Bryant jerseys. So he was already a superstar. Um, and if any time that he couldn't call at exactly the time he said he would, he would call and say, Hey, get another 30 minute power nap. I'm calling you back. And he would, and he would call back and take the time to go through the entire day with me to, to fulfill that journal that he promised. And um, that always meant a ton to me. I understood the situation and everything that he was being pulled on. And for him to do that for some scrub thousands and thousands of miles away for him to call and say, Hey, get a little bit more rest, but I will call you. And he always did. I'll put a cherry on top of that. As I've gotten older, one of the things that has has become way more important to me, the most important commodity that I have is time. You know, just, just being able to spend that time. And the idea of Steph, someone who I would imagine's time is being taken by millions of people going out of his way to make sure that the time he had promised to you, that promise was fulfilled. That's a stand-up guy, man. You know I mean? What that screams about his personality is really important is what it is. This is not, it's a Steph thing in that I think it just reflects who Steph is. Cause the question I used to get all the time and still get when I tell people that I used to cover the Warriors is, is Steph really that nice? Or what kind of guy is Steph and all this thing? My answer always is, yeah. Like he's not super relatable. Like he, he's not going like to hang out with you and talk about the, the giants game, but 
He's extremely generous with his time, very thoughtful with his answers, super self-aware. And that's all you can ask for as a reporter. Right. Sure. And, he, and and so he's great to work with. Um, what stuck out to me was always the people around Steph talking about stuff, whether, you know, I was doing a phone interview with Brandon Payne, um, his longtime personal trainer, uh, or just a, a, a teammate of his or somebody that he had used to play with or an old coach of his, like everybody just had nothing but great things to say about this guy. And as a reporter, you have a bullshit detector, right? You're like, okay. And they're like, yeah, you know, guys first in the gym, last one out. And you're like, okay, that's just a thing people say. That doesn't mean anything. Um, But the, just the lengths that people would go to compliment this guy and talk about this guy in just in such reverential terms and just, you know, the way they would speak about him. You're just, Oh, you, you love, you adore this guy and you idolize this guy. Um, I did an oral history. I did so many stories on stuff, obviously, but there was one, um, it wasn't my favorite story, but it was one of my to write, but it was one of my favorite stories to report. It was like an oral history about Steph's first basket. This was, and this was in preparation for when he became the Warriors all-time leading scorer uh, last season. And so I talked with a bunch of people that were on the floor for the first, for his first game, it was Warriors Rockets. And I think the, the first shot Steph made, he stole the ball and then laid it up or stole the ball and hit like a mid range shot or something like that off the top of my head. And I just talked to a bunch of guys that were on the floor, Matt Barnes. Um, now I'm blanking on everybody else that was on the court there. Uh, oh, uh, Andres Biedrins, um, uh, a bunch of guys that were on the court. Um, and then some guys that were on, on Houston, by the way, too. Um, and just talking about them back then, like, hey, did you, what was this guy like then? Because we hear yeah. all the stuff now, like the shooting routine, like the stuff of legend is all the stuff that was kind of happened when he broke the game when I was sitting on the couch, right? Yeah, like it's sure. kind of, that's, that's not the origin story of this guy. We know Davidson. We know that stuff. All that stuff, like those first couple of years, I think in like the big picture, I don't know if Warriors fans, but big picture NBA fans, that kind of, that stuff gets lost. Like those first year, couple of years under Mark Jackson. Sure. And I wanted to know what he was like back then. And everybody was basically saying like, yeah, we didn't know he was this, but he was like, his shot was amazing. We thought he was going to be more of a passer kind of coming out like a Steve Nash kind of guy. Like that was the comp for him coming out of college. Um, a lot of times too, for, so just hearing them talk about all the work that he was putting in back then, the sort of demeanor that he has, you know, it's kind of like a playing the results type of thing. Like, Oh, he was quiet. He wasn't really a leader, but he kind of did his own thing. And he, he wasn't really leading by example because he was a rookie, but all of that stuff he's been, he's the same now as he was back then. And because he's uh, you know, an MVP and a champion and all this stuff, now it's leadership by example, but it really is like, it, it's that, it, it's, it's that authenticity to who Steph is. He's, He's one of a kind in a lot of ways, and that was just another one of those reasons. Well, I got to say, man, you know, I'll, I'll make this about, I guess, I'll see our personal story about Steph, just a few of them here, and they'll be quick. You know, Steph Curry, you see these superstars like LeBron and Jordan, and a lot of these guys are untouchable, right? And it's just like, man, you can't touch them. Steph Curry on the floor, is, well, he's, he's, he's like on the floor, and how people love to play with him. I think people love him more off the floor because of who he is, his humility. You know, you don't think of him as a, a son of an NBA player. You know, he's like, he, yeah, sure, we all know Dale Curry's his father. And, you know, was, he was, he had the benefit of going to NBA games all his childhood and going to practices. But he's used that to his advantage. And, he, and he, like, he's become a better person because, because of it. His trainer, Brandon Bain, so was on the morning roast. Like, he was already a pro before he was a pro. And so with that comes with, knowing people and treating people with respect, whether it's the janitor at Ortho Arena to the writer for the Chronicle or the Examiner or the Mercury News 
or whatnot. He's coming into a, a radio hit for 95-7 the game. And he just said, what's up, Bonte? I was like, God, Steph Curry knows my name. And so this past media day, I walk in. I got Shasky with me. We're in the place where we're about supposed to be. But I walk over and Steph Curry just looks up and goes, Bonte, what's up, man? Part of working man is show business. Oh. Huh? What? <laughs> like, and then, you know, I'm like, hey, Curry, man, my guy Shasky, my guy Shasky, man, man, you got to talk golf with him. He turns around, his entourage kind of parts ways like the Red Sea, and he comes over and talks to Shasky and I about golf for a nice little two, three minutes. Dabs him up like you know him, chopped it up, um, talked about different courses and his experience at the Ryder Cup and stuff like that. I'm like, man, who does that? And when you get that from the superstar of your basketball team, you can see the trickle-down effect. You can see why other players on that team are so cool with the media and so cool with the fans. Because it starts with their leader. It stems from their leader, Stephen Curry. So, you know, you hear about the stories in the community about media giving out food without any fanfare. You hear about him going to random playgrounds in Oakland playing hoops without security. I mean, that's who he is, Graham. And so those stories right there, just the little things like that, he's a lot to me. You know what I'm saying? He's a lot to us. And we're in this game. We're in this business going to watch the Warriors. So those are just a couple moments for me personally. And one more real quick, Chan Amick, athletic, great writer for the athletic, great reporter. Curry's walking out of Oracle. All right, Sam. Turns around. All right, Bonte, man, have a good one. Like, you don't have to do that. That's a real deal. You don't have to do that. So, you know, that just shows who he is, man. He's a... He's a greater person than he is a basketball player. That's crazy to say. It, the the theme that's emerged through this podcast, talking to all these people about their experiences with Steph, has been inclusion and joy. You know, more so, I mean, mm-hmm. Steph's athleticism, Steph's success puts him in the category of people like Jordan. But we watched a six-part mm-hmm. fucking documentary that highlighted that Jordan made his teammates feel like assholes. You know, and Steph is the exact opposite. Not just his teammates. He is, right. he's fucking, you know, he, he makes everyone yep. around yep. him feel special. So when that happens, like if that's me and, and Steph goes out of his way to somehow drop my name, I try to play it cool, but internally I couldn't be smiling bigger. You know, like it would be, it'd be the kind of oh. thing I'd go home and like tell yeah. my wife about immediately. How did you handle it? Do you play it cool? Or are you used to it at this stage? I played it cool, man. I played it cool, but on the inside of like, Steph knows my name. MT, you got one? Yeah, I actually have one too. I think it's a it's a great story that is not only um, a shout out to Steph, but also to the Warrior fan base, especially the diehards coming from Oakland. So um, back in I think it was 2013, whatever year the Warriors were just on the precipice of being great and um, played San Antonio in the playoffs, and um, we're a Tony Parker. Um, buzzer beating shot away from going up 2-0 or 2-1 on them. We ended up losing the series. It was a hard-fought series. Uh, but it was the the moment when a lot of people said the Warriors are gonna are here. Like this was the kind of loss they need. And next year, watch out for them. And it was true. Um, so after that series ends, uh, Steph and Aisha go to a restaurant in Oakland to go eat. Um, at the time the Warriors were still in Oakland and the practice facility was in downtown Oakland. There's a restaurant that's no longer there called Pecan. And the owner was friends with a lot of the Warriors and would keep the restaurant open for them. So they had a good relationship. Um, the, and this is the story I heard from the owner when we were talking to him about it. So he said, uh, the Warriors lose that game. Um, it's a packed night. 
uh, everybody's in the restaurant full and Steph and Aisha say they're on their way and they want to come in. So they have a table for them. So Steph and Aisha walk through the door and um, everybody in the restaurant knows it's them. Now, I think a lot of fan bases or a lot of bigger cities would have made a big deal about it, maybe interrupted the dinner, um, just did, done a lot of things differently. Uh, the owner of the restaurant at the time said, he was like, I've never been more proud of of my customers. He said, everybody in the restaurant stood up and gave him a standing round of applause and ovation as he went to his table. And then when he sat down, everybody else sat down and not one person asked him for an autograph. Um, I just thought that was such a cool moment. Like the respect that Steph Curry gets not only on the court, but from the fans too. Like, I think it's, he's always talked about his love for the Bay area and for Oakland in particular, and knowing that they had gone through that, you know, painful loss and that the season was over. And here he is, this, this person that a lot of people idolize. And I'm sure a lot of people wanted to say thank you or, you know, good luck next season or, you know, we we had a great run. Um, they didn't do that. They just showed their admiration. They all clapped for him, sat down and, and said, like, you're still one of us and, you know, went on eating their dinner and let, let him be. So um, I know that was a moment that stood out to Steph. He talked about it to the owner and, and that was why he relayed that story. So um, it's not something that I think a lot of people here might have talked about on the pod um, years ago, but I think it's just worth repeating because it it symbolizes um, who Steph is and I think who the true Warrior fan base is as well. I think it's really nice of your friend, the owner, not to mention, because I, I remember that night. And the reason I remember it is because I was on the outside with my face pressed up against the window going, but it was weird. Please. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I said, and then nobody looked up. I didn't get a standing ovation, but I was a part of it. I mean, I, I was, I was a hundred percent hook, line and sinker. Very um, obscure moment there, but yes. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Obscure. Like your camera. Fuck yourself. <laughs> Let's go to our third question, boys. And it's this quote, has Steph impacted the game of basketball more than any player before him? So again, I know we're going to hear some takes from some people who cover the team and I've already have the benefit of their knowledge. And I can tell you, I, I hedge towards them. So I'm going to steal a little bit of their take. I think that he will. I think that he is on his way. And I think that his story is not yet written. I'm not sure if it's there yet, you know, the most impactful, but if I was going to argue that he, he has changed it more than anybody else, I'd argue it in this way. The people before him, Jordan's the easiest example. Wilt is there. They outlawed dunking for a while in the NC2As because of how dominant both he and Kareem were. But the other people who changed the game did so with physical attributes that are almost impossible to replicate. You know, so like Jordan, Jordan ushered in the era of one-on-one -on -one basketball. And, you know, we still see a lot of elements of that today. And the change was humongous, but he did that because he had an athleticism that I think currently think is still unfucking matched we're not ever going to see that again same thing for will just bigger stronger than everybody and by virtue of that he changed the game well steph's changed the game but it wasn't with his physicality it's with his skill set and it's a skill set that everybody thinks they can't but they think they can replicate so that what that that immediately changes go into any local ymca right now go to any court, probably almost anywhere that basketball is played. 
And if you watch that game for longer than five minutes, you know what you'll see? You'll see somebody take a 50-footer or a 35-footer. You'll see somebody take a three-pointer from a range that was previously thought before about 2012 to be a terrible shot, to be insane. You know what else you'll see? Give yourself about 10 minutes. You'll see somebody take one of those shots and turn around before the ball gets close to the hoop. You will. you know, And that's because of who Steph Curry is. And I think we're going to see that replicated over and over. I think it's going to get more and more. I don't think we're ever going back to a land that uh, you know, where, where the three isn't valued. And it's valued because of a single player. And as far as rule changes are concerned, and this one I'm stealing from Rusty, we haven't had one yet, but we might see one. We might see a four-point four play or a four-pointer um, at some point. I, I can see his impact going even further. So my answer is probably not guaranteed, but it will be. Give him a little bit of time, and he will be that guy. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. I think the one person um, that comes to mind for me that you didn't just mention is Magic. And look, I wasn't alive um, or was barely alive and cognizant when Magic was still in the NBA. But I think, you know, the one thing that he sort of brought, right, is the concept, right? Not just the actual implementation of Showtime, but the concept of Showtime and sort of the the huge smile, the, the bringing the game into the big bright lights. And, you know, I think that's the sort of thing that everybody feels like they can associate with because it's that charisma, right? And that's something that Steph comes close to, but it's not the same thing. He doesn't he doesn't have the Bill Clinton effect necessarily of making you feel like you're the most special person in the world when, you know, I've never had a conversation with him, but it seems even over camera that that would be the case. And Magic totally does that. It comes sure. across on screen. And so to bring the game from something that is watched by a small subset of fans to where it is now as a worldwide phenomenon, I think, I mean, obviously Michael Jordan has a huge role in making that happen, but I don't think that that is catalyzed without Magic's presence. Nice. Yeah, I'm going to go two honorable mentions first. One, um, I think Manu Ginobili's Eurostep, whether he invented it or not, or was the first one to bring it, I think that has had a material impact on the game. Um, not to the degree of this, but it's it's close. A lot of people use that move and it's, it's pretty potent um, when done right. Um, and also honorable mention to the Fab Five from Michigan, not for the way that they play, but just because they were able to get everybody to stop wearing those short shorts. So I think that deserves Although, a strong we got, consideration. We got Jordan Poole on line one saying, oh, shit. <laughs> exactly. And Kaminga. Kaminga Give also me those Stockton specials. That's exactly right. <laughs> Kaminga spent his entire time in high school playing in tidy whities from what I can tell. So. <laughs> yeah, minus those two. Um, but I am going to say that he has done it. Uh, I I understand your your. Um, argument for it being in the future. Um, I think he already has, but I, I think what what he's done is the combination of why it is. Um, him shooting from anywhere over the half court line, he didn't really start that. I, I think it could be argued that Gilbert Arenas probably started that a little before. Um, you know, former Warrior as well, but when he was with the Wizards, he was pulling up from crazy ranges that um, and probably started that first. Um, you know, and you with know, a gun just, too, right? Like he had a gun in his shorts while he was exactly, doing it, which makes yeah, it harder. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, him and Crittenden were, would have a, a logical, a big case for that. But, um, and then, you know, in terms of just being the, the three point shooter and, and making the three that much more valuable, I think Ray Allen and, um, 
Reggie Miller probably have a claim to that as well. I mean, they were specifically running pin down plays and creating plays for them to get shots. But where Steph is unique and where I think he has changed the game is that he's brought all of those together and then added the element that's Michael Jordan-esque of when he's on fire, when he goes human torch mode, there is no other player that is like that. He, He not only will be on his way to scoring 50 points and it being some of the most entertaining 50 that you'll watch. There's also the the gravitas around him that all other four Warriors players that are on the floor at that point are also just as likely to get a pass and they'll do a layup at the same time. And I think that dual threat, when Jordan got the ball and he was in his own, you just knew he was going to back you down and hit a fade away you there was nothing you could do to stop it and you would just watch it go in when Steph is on a heater like that his equivalent is he's going to pull up from anywhere and he's probably going to make it but there's also that I'm gonna you know like stutter dribble through the screen split the screen it's showmanship then, yeah, yeah and then there's everybody else open so I think he has changed the game there are people you know smaller kids who now um, feel like they can play and, and will play and are pulling up shots from all crazy places. But I think the what he has changed is that he's brought in the fact that you can have fun and play as a team um, a little bit more too. And I think that's what's changed. His, his gravitational pull, what he does without the ball, the movement, what he's done fitness-wise, all of that I agree with. But I'll push back on the Ray, Ali Reger, or Ray Allen, Reggie Miller thing. And I'll push back with Ray Allen's own take. And this will actually perfectly transition into our next question. But when asked about whether or not Steph's the best shooter, Ray now has to say yes, but he also adds this subjective bullshit hedge. And then he points out that, well, today, today they take way more three-pointers. Well, the reason they take away more fucking three-pointers is because of Steph Curry. You know, the, the, yes, Ray did have an amazing shot, as did Reggie. And when he hit it, it also counted as much as three. But at no point during their errors did everyone start thinking, you know what? Take 14 of these. Take 15 of these. Get 20 up. And it's because of a unique, historic, in particular, skill set. You know, Steph, it wasn't on accident. He didn't happen to be here when the game turned to three-pointers. The game turned to three pointers because he happened to be there. You know, it's uh, this. There, there's no question about the chicken and the egg here. You know, the, he he is the one who spawned yeah. that. All right, let's hear from our super friends on this one. Yeah, I think you have to say that um, because he's changed the way this current generation of players are playing and also future. And look, he didn't invent the three point shot. Um, he just accelerated and revolutionized how frequent it is. And it's because he's really effing good at making those shots. And as a result, uh, you know, all these teams have had to change their philosophies, tap into, you know, seeing which players can take those kind of shots, which players can't. And then also for the players coming up, there are some really good players, you know, that we don't know. This is the youth level, but like really good players that are embracing this and modeling themselves after stuff some really bad players and think, hey, just because Steph Curry shoots these shots, I can too, but you're not Steph Curry. But I think the underrated part about all this is that, you know, these are amazing highlight reels, but there's so much work that went into it. Yeah. Um, but we still haven't seen the full impact. The reason why I initially hedged to that question of did he impact the game the most, it's hard for me not to think about, you know, what some of the pioneers did in terms of, 
you know, namely Bill Russell with, you know, the society part with, you know, providing more inclusion from a racial standpoint um, and, you know, sparking the conversation. I think when you're fast forward into the eighties, the role that Magic Johnson, and Larry Bird played and, you know, making the NBA more mainstream to a mass audience. So I think those components, I would still give the edge to those players. But when you're talking specifically about the impact in the way that basketball be, is being played, uh, yeah, Steph Curry, Steph Curry is at the top of the list. And I think, look, his legacy is very well cemented, right? He's won three championships. He's got two regular season MVPs. Now he's number one on the MPA's all-time three-point list. But I think the scary thing is his career's not done yet. Uh, he's still in his prime, so there still might be more championships to be won. He's going to widen the gap even further between how many threes he made and Ray Allen made. Uh, but then the other thing is we don't we won't know the full impact of Steph's legacy until the next generation of players come to be. Sure. Because I think that the record that Steph now set, I don't want to say it's never going to be broken because, like, at some point records are broken, but it's going to take a long effing time for that to happen. Yep. And if it does happen, it's someone who's like five years old right now who breaks it or someone who hasn't even been born yet Yep. because they eventually see Steph Curry and all the record-breaking performances they had, including the most recent one against the Knicks. And that inspires them to try to do what Steph does and also uh, appreciate that there was so much work that went into this. No, you're exactly um, right. So it, it's amazing that, yeah, look, his – his legacy is intact, but there's even more to come that we won't know until the passage of time plays itself out. It's hard to say. It, it's hard to... You think about Will Chamberlain, right? All right. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, they took away the slam dunk because this guy was talking about everybody. They outlawed the slam dunk, which helped you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar develop the sky hook. You think about Michael Jordan and the vertical spacing and the way he defended. You think about the rev revolution of the two and three guard position, the small forward and shooting guard position, because I see these six, 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 seven wings. There's been nobody like Stephen Curry. He's changed the entire complexion of basketball. All right. This game is to be played side out. Big center, get it down low. Hopefully they get double, creates an open three or an open jumper. Uh, you know, and, and, and that's how you got buckets. This guy, we go to an AAU game, we go to a high school game, we go to a CYO game. And you watch these kids in a layup line. They're not they're not going to hit layups in a layup line anymore. That's right. They're bombing from three. They're bombing. Um, look at the NBA and the evolution of the three-point shot. Where Steph Curry comes into the league, our teams are maybe averaging 15 threes as a team a game. Warriors first championship are averaging 24 threes as a team. All of a sudden this year it's up to 34 and a half threes per game. And it's because of the byproduct of Steph Curry. Now, he's shooting threes because he's efficient and he can hit those shots. There's a lot of bad teams out there that are bombing threes. It's like, yo, you ain't got no three-point shot. Y'all need to go inside. You need to run an offense, stop pulling up. But that's the Steph Curry effect. Everybody believes it could be Steph Curry now. Every team believes it could be three. So when you look at that, may have changed the game forever. Forever. Now, look, Rick Patino and his Kentucky Wildcat teams, I'm going to give them credit because they were the first team I saw my own two eyes in college door pro that was going up and believing in a three-point shot, running a gun in, and bombing threes. But Steph Curry's taking it to another level. Yep. Pulling up from logos, 30 feet, 
35 feet, half court, bank shots, off the dribble, off the ball, relocation. And I saw somebody tweeting about this the other day. We haven't even got set shot stats yet. It's true. But you know, when you get to the career, it's going to be open free for that set shot. He's going to be able to move as well as he does. Right? We haven't even got set shot stats yet. I mean, this thing is going a long way. So to answer your question, man. At this point, I mean, can you really say Michael Jordan changed the game like Stephen Curry? I don't think so. It's not, I'm not saying Steph is better than Jordan. I'm not saying Steph is better than LeBron. But Steph has changed the game and had a bigger impact on the game over the last 15 years than any individual I've seen. I mean, it's, it's when you really put it in context and you think about him coming out of Davidson and being the number seven overall pick to the Golden State Warriors, we never thought this guy – would win it two MVPs or lead the Warriors to scrap the franchise, this once more fun franchise, the championships. And he's done it his way by shooting three. But And, and look, yes, he's changed the game brand more than any other NBA player, but it's not just because of the three-point shots. It's because of who he is. And he's not just a three-point shooter. He's a complete basketball player. That's the crazy thing about it. Like, when you see that list of Ray Allen and Reggie Miller – they're all complete basketball players. They're not just three-point shooters. You want to talk about three-point specialists? Go talk Kyle Korver. Go talk Duncan Robinson. You know what I'm saying? Go talk, you know, Doug McDermott, Joe Harris. Steph Curry's not just a three-point specialist. He's a complete hooper who's changed the game more so than anybody in NBA history, man. And that's, that's just think about that, Bram. Isn't that crazy to say? Isn't that crazy to hear? I struggle with this because um, you walk into any – gym these days whether it's elementary school middle school high school college um it doesn't even have to be a gym walk outside to your local blacktop there are people firing shots from places where when we were growing up they would have said that's a bad shot well for us any shot would have been a bad shot right <laughs> but think for yourself don't you worry right. about that but, but these are definitely bad shots by the way that, that basketball used to be played um now I hesitate to say during his career that he's he's had the most drastic impact on the game because it's not over yet. Because immediately I think of Michael Jordan, who turned 60 in a couple a year and a half and still sells three billion dollars worth of shoes. Like that's an impact. Um, I think about people who have had rules changed because of them. Will Chamberlain was so dominant in college that they outlawed the dunk. Right. Right. Um, now, before this is done. Steph may change rules. They may add a four-point shot. They may cut the three-point line off at the break so that you can't have those short corner threes anymore. Um, He's definitely changed the way people look at it. He's changed the math of the game. He's changed the spacing of the game. It's remarkable. Um, But I think the story is still to be told. But does it – in 30 years, is he still selling $3 billion worth of sneakers? Does he have that kind of impact? I, he would probably say yes. Right? If I'm hearing you right, you're saying not yet. Yeah, that not yet. It could have could have happened, might happen, but... But to be in the conversation with Michael Jordan, Will Chamberlain, um, people who changed the game on and off the court, Bill Russell, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, to be in the conversation with those kind of people, to... His style, his flash, his flair, to be in the conversation with Magic and Marinovich and Allen Iverson, Shaq, uh, to be in that conversation while you're playing speaks to his greatness and to his impact. But, but yeah, I, I'm saying it's not there yet. 
It's also how he's done it, right? I mean, he, he yeah. comes with like him, slight frame, where he came from, yeah. Davidson, yep. what he's used to achieve these heights. The Golden State Warriors, a franchise that was awful for so long in some ways, and, and this is me writing myself into the story, makes it more important because I feel like his success as a warrior um, is, is even more laudable. It's a brilliant point. Uh, Andre Iguodala was asked a very similar question that, that you started with, that Steph's impact on the game. Uh, and that's obvious, right? But Andre heard it a different way and started talking about the way he acts on the court, the way that he is a showman, the way that he plays with joy. And for years, basketball wasn't that. You had to be the tough guy. You had to bow up all the time. When you made a big shot, you had to act like, oh, yeah, that's normal. Steph has changed the way the game is played, how you react after it's played, and what you do off the court, right? Yeah. So, and And you could answer the question any of the ways, which – is probably defeating my argument. Like I, I should probably just accept that he's the guy. In the history of the game, I don't know if I can go that far, but in terms of what the modern day NBA game looks like, he is by far impacted that than any other player. I mean, you have, I remember Bronny James was um, a freshman and you know he throws up shots. He's like, Steph, Steph. And so that's, I mean, that's impacting the next wave of players coming up. And just the fact that they said that and not, I mean, I don't even know what I would say, but I was, I grew up in the same Michael Jordan era as well. Um, and so for me, I think he's the greatest of all time, but you know, who is, who's next? I just love that. It was like LeBron's son. And he's like yelling up Steph. Dude, of course. Steph, like okay. <laughs> was LeBron ever in the gym as that happened? Was, was there a moment where LeBron watched his son fire up a shot and then scream the word Steph? I mean, I'm guessing so. He said it so freely. I'm just like, he probably, he's probably in his like million dollar driveway, you know, chucking up <laughs> shots, yelling Steph all the time. All right. <laughs> Sorry, Christian, we've reached peak content. We, uh, we could just stop now. <laughs> this leads to our last question. So the listener asks, Ray Allen has said and done all the right things. He hasn't been openly bitter. If you were in his place, would you be happy or bitter about Steph beating your record? Don't answer. We're going to turn this in to Judgment Theater. Let's guess. Boys, start with me. So if I am the current holder of the three-point record, they've invited me. I'm at Madison Square Garden. I'm sitting there dressed in my all gray weirdo turtleneck and they, uh, in, in my heart of hearts, am I happy that Steph has pushed the game forward and we're watching new history unfold or am I bitter that my record is, is falling around me? Bitter. Of course. I mean, please, I, I, in your heart of hearts, I mean, I think, you know, the difference between you and Ray Allen is that the tap dancing would be happening on, like, you'd be, like, playing 4D chess with the type of tap dancing that you'd be doing, right? You'd be tap dancing in every single possible angle to try to explain, while still being completely deferential to the fact that he broke the record, you know, why every dimension, it, it just, you still deserve to be in the conversation. Yeah. I think 1000% you'd be bitter to your core, but you would be sweating like a madman as you gave all the platitudes to whoever broke it. Like, oh yeah, it's amazing pushing the game forward, but it would be the most insincere. Congratulations probably we'd see on live television. It'd be a uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing. So in public, right, generally speaking, if asked questions about it, it would be all Dr. Jekyll. Let's say all the right things. Um, I'd, I'd hire a publicist to get like, all right, what are my bullet points? 
say those, look right into the camera, deliver them, give the hug, do the three-way hug with Reggie. I'd do all of that. Absolutely. Inside, it'd be all Mr. Hyde. Who knows what I would think, dude? But like some of the ugliest stuff to the point where like, when Steph raised to beat my record at MSG, I'd have to fight an urge to rush the court and try to block the shot. Right. You know, like like something super ugly. So yeah, would I be bitter inside? Hell yes. I, and I'd be I'd be so nasty about it. Let's turn that eye towards Marcus. Um, Maxime, I'll guess here first. Marcus, Marcus is gonna tell us I'd be happy. It's good for the game. He'll have some thought out answer. You know, like it, it would be hard for me. I'm a competitive person. It'd be hard for me, but really I'd be happy for him. My name would be involved. It's good for the sport. So when all things played out, I'd say the right things and I'd be a little disappointed, but I wouldn't be bitter. I'd be happy for Steph or whoever it is who broke the record. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds about right. But I think it'd be very hard to tell if it was actually Marcus saying all of those things on screen because there's so much uh, oh, margarine rubbed yeah. across the video <laughs> yeah. camera screen. Yeah, that's fair. And in fact, like when TNT came to interview him with it and they started it up, he'd be like, would you mind holding on for a second? And he'd just pour olive oil all over the camera. Okay, now now let's see where this goes. Ah, now I feel more at home. <laughs> <laughs> I have an obscure take for you. So if you don't mind, let me use my filter. Marcus, what's the actual answer? The actual answer is that I would, well, do I have Steph Curry's career at this point or do I have Ray Allen's career? What do you mean? Are you the person breaking the record or the person having your record broken? Yeah, no, if, I, if I'm if i breaking the record, am I breaking, is someone breaking the record and I will have had Steph Curry's career or are they breaking my record and I had Ray Allen's career? Um, either one. Let's say you've had Ray Allen's. Put yourself in Ray Allen's place. Okay, that was not who I was hoping you would say because I'd have a different answer. <laughs> then I picked um, the right one. <laughs> Ray Allen, then I would be a little bitter because um, I, I think hey. that Ray Allen established himself as this premier shooter. Like Steph Curry has more things going for him than just a shooter. Um, Ray Allen, that's kind of what he's known for. Even though back in the day when he was on the Bucks, he was dunking on people. I think you go to YouTube and you'd that's, be surprised. That's Jesus Shuttlesworth. Hell yeah. Exactly. Like he was going to the rack and posterizing people. Um, but I think what he's known for now is a three point shooter, you know, like the biggest gift and curse of his career was hitting that three pointer um, from the corner for the heat. Like, I think it pigeonholed him to only being a, a shooter. Um, so if I have that career, then I say all the right things. Like you, I hire a publicist, um, probably like you, I might even pull the card out and read it live on air just to let you know that this is what I need to say, but it's probably not what I mean. Um, but inside, I'm definitely bitter because that's the one thing that you have to be competitive and you have to be a, have a bit of an ego in order to be that high up in any industry or field. And, you know, like I'm going to be bitter about it. Here's a fucking newsflash. Um, if you had Steph's career, the idea of like, oh, but I hit all those layups wouldn't make you feel better that your record was broken, dude. You'd yes, be, it would. No, it would not. You would be just as upset. You don't likely, if I was hell of good at Scrabble, I wouldn't be happy that I lost in Monopoly. I'd be fucking pissed that I lost at that game too. No, that's different. I am a two-time Monopoly champion and a, a collector. $200 and go to jail free MVP. 
scoring champ. Like it doesn't matter. Like here's here's bad news for you. My monopoly analogy was terrible and I sucked you into using a terrible analogy. I completely fucked you there. Let's look to Maxime (laughs) because this podcast is already running about eight hours long. So we should probably (laughs) wrap it up. My guess on Maxime, he'll tell us that he was bitter and he would be bitter. I I think, I think openly and absolutely. I don't think, I mean, I he'll tell us during this podcast. I don't think he would do it in a public setting. Um, Although he might be a little bit more genuine than you or I, MT, I don't think he would be as effusive with praise. You know, like we'd go way over the top. Steph's so great. Um, But that would really be more of a defensive mechanism than anything else. I don't think he would do that. I think that you could, I think he would show that he was disappointed, but not bitter. Yeah, I think he would show it too. Um, I think he would pull a, a interesting move and just like keep his mask on the entire interview so that you really couldn't tell what he said, or you know, like he would be a little muffled and he could just kind of give give you what he wanted to facial expression wise, but good. he could show his disdain for it. So I think he he does some kind of slick move that uh, a tree climbing card holder would do. And the, the mask has some ambiguous message on it that you're not sure how to read. It just says number one on it. <laughs> and you're like, huh? You know, like, is he saying he's still number one? Kind of, still number one. Yeah, I don't really get it. I'm like, no, but th- that would give you a sense of what it was. Like, is he celebrating stuff? Is he saying that's, is that just him? Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't immediately know. Maxime, what's the answer? That's a brilliant idea. I feel like Ray Allen should have been taking notes here because what would have happened is I would have walked in, I would have started with some platitudes, and then ultimately I would have tripped over some words and said, no, fuck this. I'm going to tell you all how I really feel. I am actually a little bit bitter about it. And wouldn't that have been better television, quite frankly? Like, we all saw it. It was all a little bit uncomfortable. What if Ray Allen came out and just said, like, look, Gauntlet is thrown, like, you know, because they were talking about, like, wouldn't it be great if there's a three-point shooting contest and they were, like, looking at each other with Reggie Miller, like, I don't know kind of would be huh as if they just talked about that like all of that's bullshit i want to see realness let's go yeah let's how about he answers every question starting off with subjectively speaking <laughs> how about he doesn't show up dressed like the gray gumby is there a reason why he was in all <laughs> graves did he come from a fucking funeral like what what was going on and i'm not a big fan of the turtleneck i'm just gonna throw that out there i, I no one comes to me for fashion advice for good reason watch the video you'll see that like i'm not tearing it up with my shirt choices myself but yeah it was a distracting thing here is my my last quick hit question for you let the record re- reflect real quick bram is wearing a gray gray shirt right now so right like a record reflect my camera allows you to see that i have no fucking idea what color marcus shirt is our our final thing i ran this by rusty i asked what rusty would do and in the course of his answer he actually gave us some amazing insight into ray allen because he interviewed ray allen and will tell us his opinion on whether or not ray allen was bitter but before we play that what's your guess boys if rusty was in that position would he be bitter or celebratory I feel like Rusty's the kind of guy that would just genuinely be celebratory. You agree, MD? Yeah, I think he'd be celebratory. I know the answer, so I can't cheat. Let's find out. Would you be bitter, Mr. Simmons? I would be exactly the way Ray Allen was. Which is how? He, he was so bitter. <laughs> like, all, all leading up to the – first of all, for the last year, he hasn't <laughs> wanted to talk to any of us. And then he finally was like, okay, I'll do it, but only as a group interview – so I can get this out of the way and not deal with it anymore. But every once in a while, you would get the li- – he knew what he was supposed to say. He was supposed to say, look, I've known Steph forever. Records are made to be broken, all this. But 
Then he would sneak in. Well, it's a subjective thing who the best shooter is ever. <laughs> well, if I had played in a different era, if I was allowed to shoot that many, think of the number I would have put up. And that's exactly the way I think all of us think. Like, if you're going to be great, you have to think you're great. Ray Allen doesn't want his records to be broken. He wants a chance to come back right now and shoot 10 a game. Here's a newsflash for Mr. Allen. If he was shooting as well as Steph Curry, if his talents equaled uh, Steph's, then he would have shot that many fucking three-pointers. The game would have changed based on his talents. They didn't. You know, there's a reason why Steph has slowly gone up. It's because of that impact we were talking right before. So how would you handle it? Would you? I feel like you would be a little bit more savvy than Ray. Because uh, I, I think that in, in most interviews, you wouldn't actually say, you'd say only golden things. He, oh, yeah. he is the best shooter. There's no problem. There'd be nothing subjective about it. You talk about the records and everything. But internally, when you're grabbing a drink or oh, you know, yeah. your darkest thoughts, you'd kind of hate Steph Curry. Like, you wouldn't be able to accept it. Oh, no. And it's hard. Like, if it's Steph Curry breaking your record versus anybody else in the world, it's hard to hate him, right? <laughs> and and Ray Allen did it right. He was magnanimous. He was like, yes. And he came out and took the photos with the jerseys and went over, over a board and did all that stuff. He, he's coaching a team, a high school team in Miami right now. So that was actually, like, difficult for him to find time to go and do that. But but he did it. He did the right thing. And um, that's what the players of the past should do. They should take care of that. But there's a hundred percent chance that secretly or not, he hates the fact that somebody broke his record. Is it weird that when they showed Ray, I kept being distracted that he looked like a gray Gumby. He had like all gray head to toe, including a gray turtleneck. It's like the interesting decision. Like you knew for sure they're going to show you a lot of times. I don't know, work in one other color. I mean, I, I'm not Mr. Fashion here, but I, I, I at least want to throw that now. That was him just saying the ghost is here. Set the record, <laughs> set the record however high you want to, Steph. I'm going to come back and start standing in the corner and shooting 10 threes a game. Everyone should just look right by me now. I mean, <laughs> right. nothing, you know, right. subjectively, you can't even see me anymore. That's it right. is what it is. Right. And how different Ray Ray and Reggie have dealt with this, right? Like Reggie zoomed into a conference call last year with his son to talk to Steph and to say how great it was that he had passed him. Ray wanted no part of any of this. And if you were going to guess on those two, you know, I mean, what is that? I would have said Ray the exact opposite. The black yep. hat forever, yep. you know, yep. and like, and you'd almost expect, I, I, what I would suspect from Reggie is that he would be open either way. If Reggie was bitter, I feel like right. he'd tell us. He'd tell, oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. And everything he's saying now seems so genuine. It makes me really like him that, that yeah. he's willing to come out and, and say it. Although to Reggie's, um, credit because i don't remember what he did with ray he's already seen his record go so you know going from right. second to third right sucks but it doesn't suck as bad as dropping from that top platform you know to number two so maybe Not we had all yep. that bitterness yep. shit but but it's gotten rid of it at this stage that's right all right boys uh huge fun remember that if you want to reach out to us let us know we did a good job bad job any job get us a question for the five golden Shoot that to our email account, which is at Maxime. Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Boom. You want to follow us on social media? There's only one option. It's our Twitter account. That one's at Warriors Huddle or at Warriors Huddle, I should say. But it's not the only way you can support us. If you want to watch our video, hop up onto Patreon where you can support us for as little as a dollar a month. Impossible 
for us to say how much that means to us. It, it really does mean just the absolute world. And if you want to donate the, uh, the top level, you want to come out of pocket as much as you can and donate 15 bucks, you become an executive producer of the show. You have your name read right into this microphone. Let me prove it to you. Special thanks to Amy B, Cheryl W, Jeff SK, Noah D, Stephen K, Brad Q, and another random and immediate shout out to our brand new a uh, member of Patreon is not an executive producer, but he's still uh, important to our hearts. Shout out to Kyle V. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, we'll see you next week. Good, good.